When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time, the West Ham podcast, which today, very unusually, does not feature Mr. Phil Whelans. Apparently a bigger podcast has come in for him, and if that podcast matches his ambitions, then Phil could be off in the January window. I'm Mark Sandell, joining me at the table in London today, back by popular demand, is photographer Joe Fordham. Hello. Whose book, No Place Like Home, is now available at the West Ham Club shop. Book features 112 fans and ex-players like Stuart Slater, Matty Etherington and Sir Jeff Hurst, and fans like Gary Firmiger and indeed me. And in my bit, I mention Arif Mahmood as being the finest steward at the bowling ground. In fact, I think he's won Steward of the Year several years running now. I'm very pleased to say he's with us as well, making his debut on the podcast. Welcome, Arif. Thank you very much. And Paul Myers from Playback, the man who basically invented this whole thing. Yeah, I invented podcasts. Exactly. Well, it's, it's a great pleasure to have you with us. Uh, later on, we'll also be talking to a bona fide cast iron West Ham legend, Mr Clyde Best, who, uh, like Joe, also has a book out called The Acid Test. I'll ask him to tell us why it's called that. It's, uh, it's, it's quite a grim story. But before we welcome Clyde, let's catch up on the last two games. A draw and a win. And according to Phil Neville on Match of the Day, we've turned the corner. Have we turned the corner? I thought we did after the Chelsea game, did we not? October. It's a tough one. How many corners? We uh, yeah, before we've gone full circle. Uh, well, let's, let's start with the Liverpool game there, because there were some great things in there. Arif, you were there, weren't you? Yes, I was. Tell, tell us what it was like there. What was, what was, your, what was your experience? Uh, I mean, the fans were fantastic. West Ham ones and also the Liverpool ones. I mean, it was actually really... The camaraderie was quite good. I mean, obviously the banter... You know, saying about scouts we had no money and things like this, but it, it was a good atmosphere. <laughs> there is, a, I think, there is a bit of respect between West Ham and Liverpool fans, yes, isn't it? Yeah. By and large, yeah. there's, there's, there's quite. I mean, a, we're not that dissimilar, really, are we? Exactly. I remember the, with the, the cup final in 2006. There was a genuine camaraderie then. I think we were united by our sort of hatred of. And, I, I, and I've hated them ever since that day. So. Funny enough, yes, yeah. that is true. Uh, but did anybody feel like I did when Lalana scored that we thought, here we go, this is it? Yeah, very early again. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a good start, and unfortunately the same thing happened in the second half, just when we're thinking, you know, we may actually win here again, two years running, which was a miracle. At, <laughs> you know, we call it miracle in uh, Anfield, not miracle in Istanbul. They still keep... I thought after last year when we won, they would end that, you know, the last time we won there was when Love Me Do was number one in 1963. And, but they still bring it out, don't they? they? I thought that was it. You know, they, they still reel it off. You know, they won for the first time since Love Me Do was, uh, was number one. I don't think any of us really thought we were going to win, though, this time, did we? Well, we've turned the corner. We've turned, we turned corner. another corner. Yeah, we turned the corner. But we, we dug in in that after we conceded that goal, we we dug in. There were some really good performances out there. I thought, and and I must admit, I I, I was surprised. I well, think I think we saw I think we saw the West Ham of, <coughs> of lots of running around, lots of effort, actually pushing and pushing and pushing, um, which we've seen a little bit too lately of other teams do to us. Yeah. Um, but I think I think there was a difference in a performance. 
not dissimilar to the Chelsea game, um, the cup game. I think where we're ju- where we're just pushing and pushing, and they're kind of not expecting it that that type of thing. But going back to turning the corner, a, a turn is turning the corner, meaning that people are coming out of injury. Mm. Is that you know? Is that all it is? Is that now we're getting our our A team back? Um, could be. Uh, and then I didn't see the Burnley match it, uh, if if we're going to move forward. But the first thing I heard is that it was just dull and ponderous and and didn't deserve to be the same team as the, as the match before. Is it, is it, we're so inconsistent, aren't we? we? I don't know who we're supporting. Which team are we supporting? Well, there was expectation, wasn't there? We, I think we genuinely thought, yeah, and also yeah. Slavin Bilic had made it very clear, these are, these are must-win games. And so I think there was a feeling, look, we've done well against Liverpool, we dug deep. And so I think, actually, we were travelling thinking we should, we should win this, shouldn't we? I mean, that, that, there's an expectation yeah. there which we haven't had really all season. I think a borderline arrogance, a lot of 3-0 uh, <laughs> claims going out before... <laughs> Um, one of them from me. I thought it would be the case as well. But uh, I mean, four massive players returned for that game yesterday. Carroll started, Coyote was back, Antonio and Cresswell were back, you know, all missing for the Arsenal game uh, a couple of weeks before. You would expect more at home against Burnley, I think, but we also should know better. Um, I'll take the win. Yeah, take the win. Um, performances aside, I mean, uh, I'm not too worried about those at the minute. I think we, we're not. In a position to kind of demand a good performance and a win. Well, there's been a right few now. there's been a few question marks over some of our established stars, haven't there? I mean, yeah. you know, obviously uh, Pyatt scored that lovely free kick uh, against Liverpool. There's been question marks. I'm tired of seeing Twitter references to Pyatt, or he hasn't really turned up. Noble's another player who's been under the spotlight as well. Paul. Yeah, I, you know, he's. We've got too much sentiment tied to him. Last year, he had a tremendous season, and he had a tremendous season with his bromance with with Pyatt, really, didn't it? And that that made him a better player. Um, it made him look a better player, but it probably made him an actual better player. And then this season, he seems to take away more than he gives, and it pains me to say that. And people will be shouting at their uh, shouting at their iPhones now. With some people, will be because we are so locked with him he is West Ham he is the beating heart he's the local boy and everything but he just ain't that good at the moment and he and he genuinely does I'm sure somebody did the stats he gives away more passes anyway and what makes it harder is that he scored the winner in the last match yeah so I'm saying this against (laughs) the tide of all logic where you know and everything else but I just don't think he's up to it anymore and I and I've got a feeling that if we were to see somebody else in that role, new blood, we would warm to them just as quickly and say, well, Mike, uh, well, Mark was a hero for all those years, but thank God we took him out in 2017. Do you think no, took him out in a mafia way. But we, we mentioned Liverpool. They had that similar thing with Gerrard, didn't they, towards the end of his time, was that they knew he was so big that yeah. he needed to be there, but they couldn't always play him, you know, they couldn't always put him straight into the first team, and that was clearly an awkward. Do you think we're approaching that with Noble now? Yeah, we could just I, play him in the League Cup games against uh, <laughs> League Two teams or something like that. Yes, yeah, but, but sometimes... <laughs> Some, <laughs> sometimes as a dog you love so much you don't want to see him put through the suffering and you put him down but don't you think <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying we put Noble we down we just said that do it. No. we just said it or take him out, but out on, a, on a serious note though do, do you not think oh it's been serious <laughs> <laughs> no, no what I mean is that don't you think Noble was such an important player last season because he had Coyote in the midfield uh, on a, I mean from 
from the way we've been playing, we've actually lo- we've we've lost a lot of bite in the middle. Yeah, Coyote is our engine. So so our players, great players or good players, even because they've got great support around them. Uh, Victor Moses will be a good example of that. He's an absolute star at Chelsea at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. But he wasn't an absolute star with us because it just wasn't the right setup for him, or he didn't have the right support, or maybe he didn't have billion-dollar players surrounding him and didn't to always give play. him that space. I didn't always play, did he as well? He didn't, he he didn't, didn't, he didn't he always have a long run in the team. Yeah, he yeah, didn't always play. Uh, probably didn't play enough. He had one spectacular game where I thought he was man of the match with us. Um, was it Man City away when he scored that goal, didn't he? When he, could when be, we were, yeah. yeah. yeah and he did, be. yeah. But you're right, he looks a totally different player at Chelsea, doesn't he? So, yeah, so, so it could be that that's the problem with Noble right now, that he's not getting that support, hasn't got that around him. And maybe with my current favourite West Ham player coming back, that he might, he might get that. Um, don't know. Is it enough? Is it, he, he, he wasn't doing it for me at the beginning of the season. He was last season, but actually, I don't think he was doing it for me at the beginning of the season before. I think he sort of grew into it, and it was the Payet partnership. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Last season was... He was fantastic last season, but he wouldn't be a standout player in any season before that, in my opinion. Uh, It seems like he he peaked dramatically last year, and he's dropped off just as dramatically this season. But uh, in terms of Billich and Noble... I've actually seen a change this season that he's actually prepared to change him, take him off quite often. Yeah. Whereas in the past, you know, no, come what may, however bad a game he was having, he still wouldn't take him off. I think that's actually helping the club now. Yeah, he was untouchable. Man. But he's also under, there's a lot more spotlight on him since Tompkins has gone, isn't he? Because he was our other, yeah. <coughs> he was our other local yeah. boy, you know, that we, he carried it. Uh, it was a penalty last night, was it? I think well, from where I was sitting, that? it looked like one all the way up there. It looked, it, did it? Yeah. <laughs> for us to be given a penalty, it was a penalty, Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that is true. Yeah, it's true. Although uh, Sean Dyche was obviously saying the whole they should have had basically a free kick, shouldn't they? From yeah. uh, the you know the pressure on Heaton, wasn't it? I think yeah, I think Heaton said the same thing. He felt an arm go across him, but I didn't see anything like that. I just saw Reed go down. That's a Stonewall penalty. Isn't it? Yeah, Stonewall. I think in uh, Clyde's, Clyde's days, that, that will definitely not be in free kick to the goalkeeper. No, that's true. It's slightly <laughs> different. A um, couple of other little aspects. Um, there were a lot of empty seats there last night, weren't there? Is that, is that a concern? Uh, no. I, it's Christmas. Cold night. Christmas parties are going and it's like, Burnley? Yeah. If yeah. It was, yeah, it's the fixture and it's the time of year. That had it written all over it, I think. Mm, fair enough. I, I barely got rid of our, our ticket, spare ticket last night. And something else as well. Nordvite being booed. Before he even came on, what was going on there? Yeah, I don't agree with that. Unfortunately, because of the mistakes he made, especially against Tottenham, uh, our our fickle side of the fans, um, it was completely wrong as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Or it's a Scandinavian greeting to say, "Come back and do better this time than you did last time." <laughs> like our version of the Icelandic clap. Isn't exactly. It? That's <laughs> how we greet. <laughs> That's how we <laughs> greet. Oh, Maybe say. they saw Brady st- stand up just as he was coming on. Maybe it's just a horrible coincidence. <laughs> who, do, who do they boo louder at? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it wasn't him at all. They just saw Brady come out of the box and they just booed her as he was running on the pitch. I don't know. So honestly, around the table, have you ever booed a West Ham player? No. No, I, I could never do that. No, it's, it's chopping the legs off your own team. It's just stupid. I think with the exception of Thomas Repka, I can say also I've never booed anyone, but then I booed him for about 150 games, so that probably doesn't count. I would, I would have booed Repka. <laughs> thing is, Mark, I mean, having seen us get relegated at least four times. Yes. Right. But at the end of the day, if you see the players putting the effort in, then 
you can't boo them. I can't. I can't see how a genuine fan can boo his own player. I think the other thing is we heard it because it wasn't that noisy, was it? Last night it wasn't. We haven't really no. got that going yet, have we? I don't know how that's no. going to work. Is it? We wait. Are we waiting for a performance on the pitch, or are they waiting for us to respond? I don't know. What's how's that going to work? How do we get that? Cheerleaders bring back the hammerettes. That could be it. There's <laughs> enough space. You could get two lots of. You could get four, one in each corner, all going while the match is on. My mate's wife was actually a hammerette. Yeah, yeah, she's of age now. She was obviously oh, a lot younger. Yeah, she, <laughs> oh, she's going to be delighted. It, 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 pick her out while she, when she was fifteen and on the pitch. So, you know, it just so happens that she was a hammerette back in the day. Don't go following that up. Before we leave Burnley, what's her name? <laughs> <laughs> She'll be on next week. Um, uh, before we leave uh, Burnley, Slavin said afterwards we were afraid to win and, and we got cramped in that second half. It did feel very edgy, didn't it? Yeah, there was a one incident that mirrored. The Arsenal game, I remember the Arsenal game where Reed kind of accidentally cleared it in the six-yard box, it, or he took it off the Arsenal, I can't remember whose foot he took it off of, but the same thing happened last night with a, a flick almost onto the um, Burnley striker's head. Just that, that right side was exposed again too many times, and it, it did feel like they, they could nick one, and it would have been our own fault because we just didn't put away the chances that we'd made. Yeah, and Randolph redeemed himself beautifully last night didn't he As, I mean I know he did in the second half against yeah. well, the rest of the second half that brilliant save against, from uh, Henderson wasn't it yeah. but uh, what, what, where do we stand by the way on the Randolph Adrian business because the argument isn't it is that, that you, you have two bona fide goalkeepers and they are supposed to provide competition for each other and keep the pressure up and everything is it making them just both not very good sometimes <laughs> or, which is not how it's supposed to work is it it should really work that one of them's got it Clearly, that save from Randolph in the second half against Liverpool was an absolute blinder. Yeah, but is it is it working? I mean, I think Randolph's a better keeper than Adrian. I'm sure, loads of people agree, just as many disagree. But um, away at uh, United in the League Cup, having Adrian back in, he just he's he just seems suspect to me. All the t- he's got. I don't know if he's cocky. He's got mistakes. I know Randolph obviously made a clear against Liverpool, but even down to Adrian's kicking, I don't I don't feel comfortable with him. Yeah, well, you, I like you see, when, you, when you see Adrian come on, you're nervous. You're gonna, there's something's going to happen. Something's yeah. going to happen. He's going to and he's going to do something wild and crazy. And, and Randolph, you safe but, but but Randolph makes a few mistakes. The um, they I don't know which I get confused with the Manchester United matches because they were so close and they blur into one for me. I, I, I stayed up and just watched the whole thing from one to another. <laughs> it's available as a box set. It's available <laughs> as a box set. Yeah. Just eight in between. Yeah. But but the the. First goal, so it was the first match actually. He's, no, so sorry, it's the second match. He seemed to shy away from the the ball and almost let it in. And the you know, I was saying, well, did he have a bet on that? So he does make glaring errors. However, I think Randolph's glaring errors aren't as glaring as Adrian's. Adrian's are theatrically yeah. bad yeah. glaring yeah. errors, yeah. whereas Randolph's like, oh shit, he did that. He did that. Wrong. When he made the mistake, when Darren Randolph made that mistake against Liverpool, there was a, there was an element of shock about it. it was blimey. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with Adrian, you'd go, oh, well, that's that's sort of Adrian. That's what you get. I think that's what you get. His errors are exacerbated by his ego, Adrian's. I think mean, you kind of yes. you think, of course, you've done that because you. You kind of he does strut around a little bit, you know. He, he plays up to the crowd a little bit, which is all great. Peacocks, yeah, yes. peacocks, peacocks exactly. And then you know, so you expect those things. Whereas Randolph just, uh, like you say, it's more of a oh, Randolph just uh, just made an error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one thing, um, 
uh, Arif, uh, Saturday, when you were talking about customer care at the new place, you got well looked after at Anfield, didn't you? Just tell us that story you put on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sunday, actually. Sunday, sorry, beg your pardon. Yeah, I mean, uh, me being a Muslim, I mean, obviously going to an away uh, away ground he's not really likely to find somewhere we can actually pray so i went to the steward and said look you know can i go somewhere private to go and pray and he actually said to me look we've actually got a purpose-built prayer room built in the new stand and uh, he said if you want i can take you there and I, I thought you know to be honest i was really taken aback by that and he took me through uh through the new stand uh, where where prayer room was? He actually waited. I said to him like it's going to be about ten fifteen minutes. He says not 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 a problem. He waited outside, allowed me to say my prayers, and uh, as as I left left the prayer room, you know, I said to him, you know, can I go to see the Hillsborough Memorial site? And he actually took me over there, allowed me to take some photographs, and I was actually astounded. I mean, you know, we've heard so many bad stories about how away fans are treated at, yeah, yeah, yeah. at, at away grounds. And I had nothing but admiration for them. And to be honest, I'll put it on Facebook uh, just to say appreciation to Liverpool yeah, and, and the steward. It was good to hear. Um, <clears throat> right, uh, you're listening to Stop Hammer Time. To get all the links for this podcast, our Facebook, Twitter, app and iTunes link, go to westhampodcast.com and we'll be back with Clyde Best after this break. Hello from the Geek Town Radio podcast, a show that gives you the latest TV, film and gaming news all from a UK perspective, plus the latest UK premiere dates and a ton of interviews from people such as Suits Lewis Lit, Rick Hoffman. It's crazy. The whole thing's crazy. To gaming royalty like Troy Baker and Nolan North. Would you really take a bullet from me? Uh, well, no. That's that's the acting. From behind the scenes people such as the directors of smash hit US comedy Veep. We love Geek Town. My kids wear your t-shirts. To screen legends. Such as Mr. George Decay. Star trekking across the universe. For all this and more, come join us on Geek Town Radio, available to download every Tuesday from your usual podcast supplier and from geektown.co.uk. Welcome back to uh, Stop Hammer Time, and it is time to welcome one of the greatest players to have pulled on the claret and blue. A man who played 221 times for us between 1969 and 1976 and scored 58 goals. If there's one advantage of being as old as I am, it's that I was lucky enough to have seen him score quite a few of those. Welcome to Stop Hammer Time, Clyde Best. Hello, Clyde. Hi, thanks very much. Well, it's good to hear from you? you. Let me introduce you to Joe and Arif and Paul, who, who no doubt will have a few questions for you as well. You were at the game last night, weren't you, Clyde? Um, yes, I was. What did you make of it? I, we, we got the three points that were the first and most important line. But I thought that we, you know... Um, I think if we put more pressure on them, you know, probably would have been, you know, we could have got more goals, you know, but the most important thing fresh was to get three points, and we got them. So what you're saying is we could have done with you up front, basically, Clyde? I wish I really could, because when you, when we lose, you know, it hurts me, you know, <laughs> I feel it, you know. So listen, your book, we're going we're to come on and talk about your book. Um, <clears throat> you call it The Acid Test. Um, yes. it, it's, it's, it's quite a grim story, that, Clyde. Do you mind sharing uh, that story with us, why you've called it that? Um, we called it that because um, one, I've gotten to my friend, Mel, I um, 
that someone is sending a letter, so they're going to throw acid in my face. So um, that's why we named it that, you know. Obviously, thank goodness, that didn't happen. But what happened on the, the day of that match? Well, the first thing I've done is once I get on the field, I never stop running. <laughs> you know, to make sure nobody got near me. So <laughs> I ran for the full 90 minutes that day. Um, the main thing was the uh, police were there to um, make sure, you know, nothing happened. And uh, I think we changed position from the way I came out, you know, and um, lucky enough, everything was okay. Now, who did you tell when you got that letter? Where did you take it? I took it up to the board's office, John Greenwood, you know. And you chose not to share it with your teammates, because Bobby Moore was your captain then as well, wasn't he? Well, he, he knew about it. We told him. He was the only one that really knew him and probably uh, Jeff, you know. OK, well, we'll talk more about your book, but we've got a question for you. Clyde, from Chris Akabusi. Now, he's a, he's a huge hammer, he's a motivational speaker, he's a regular guest on this podcast, and in a previous life he was a very successful Olympian. Um, he's recorded a question for you, and I'd love to, uh, to get your thoughts on it. Okay, so have a listen, here's the question from Chris. Hi Clyde, um, really lovely to speak to you. You won't know me, but I certainly remember you. Uh, I supported West Ham because of you in 19... 69, you and a young guy called Eddie Coker, and um, I was just amazed with you, transfixed, number 11, me and my friends used to call you Clyde the Glide, because uh, you were a big fella, but you were jinxy, and you could go, you step over, go one way, jinx the other, sweet left foot, cross that ball, didn't score loads of goals, but created many. But my question for you, Clyde, is... Um, you would have been aware that when you were playing football, uh, there were very few black players. And you were a role model for me. And that's why I supported West Ham. But there were very few black players. And those like you and Aidy used to get series of abuse. How did you deal with that abuse? How did you deal with it when you sort of came off the pitch and got to the changing rooms? And were your friends supportive? Or did you just get on with it? I'd love to hear the answer to that question. Take care, Clyde. Good luck with the book. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not going to meet you, but good luck with whatever you do next. Take care. Cheers. Oh, I think a lot has to do with your mentality. You've got to be a strong individual, and you just can't lash out, you know, when somebody's lashing out at you. Um, you've got to remember there were tons of people there watching that didn't do that sort of stuff, so I had to respect them. I've got to respect uh, the people that wanted to come after me, you know, and if they had seen me lash out, you know, what chance would they have had if, you know, I would have done that. So that was my main reason for, you know, doing what I'd done, you know, thinking of those coming after me, you know. There was an occasion, wasn't there, in a reserve match against Norwich when you did, uh, you did have a bit of an altercation? Challenge, you know, I let him know it, you know. <laughs> and that was why he didn't understand. He fell in the stand, so that was okay. Oh, so he fell in the stand? 
I rolled one feet. He, him, and I went and tackled each other. You know, Mr. Paul. You know, he ended up in his van. So nothing to do with you, Clyde. He just fell. He just fell. He just fell. Um, uh, Ron Greenwood used to say that you know basically score and it will shut them up. Um, Just uh, tell us a bit about the, the game against Everton. Well, it was the day we played in one seventy at Everton, and their crowd. Every time I touch the ball, they, you know, we're doing the famous monkey chant, you know, and you know, for you, you know, the guy out there. So, you know, I got tired of it. Decided to pick this thing up from the halfway line, and Tony Shot was on my shirt, and I took him with me <laughs> all the way to the goalkeeper, and. When the goalkeeper came, I showed him a dummy and he sat down and I just clicked it over the top of his head. So you... And uh, they required, you know, from that time onwards. And Joe Royal said it was one of the best goals he'd ever seen at Goodison, was that right? That's what Joe said, yeah. So I don't know if he's telling me the truth or he's lying to me, but that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I think if he says it, he means it, I think. Yeah, so, well, so... I, I, I hope so. He was a genuine guy, Joe yeah. But you, you, you point out in your book that you, you didn't. You, the problems with racism were very much around football. They, they weren't in the street or you going about your business. It was very much around no, football. It was mainly with football. Yeah, no, you know, going in the street um, was okay. Um, with all my teammates, everything was okay, and um, never had the problem in the street. You know, with anyone coming up and saying anything crazy, probably because of the size I was. You know. That probably had a lot to do with it too. Clyde, uh, this is Arif here. I mean, I'm, uh, How from, you doing? I'm, I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm from the Asian community. Can I ask you a question? Right. Uh, you know, 30, 35 years ago, you faced a lot of racism because of your colour. Right. Why do you think that it's still taken so long for the Asian, of, when I say Asian, I don't mean Chinese or, you know, Taiwan or, you know, we've got players from Korea over here in the professional game. Why is it that the Asian community is still not providing anyone, you know, on a professional level? Are you saying in playing in England? Yep. Um, Probably because, I mean, you know, it's probably some of them might not want to. I mean, they definitely have the ability to play if they want to because there are one or two players playing in Germany right now that are very, very good, you know, and I'm sure if they wanted to come to England, some, I'm sure somebody would snap them up, you know, because they are good players as well. Fingers Clyde, can I, can I uh, relate to you a, a story and give me your feedback on this? I mean, in, in the late 70s, uh, my own uncle was actually in the same uh, youth team at Middlesbrough with Graeme Souness. And, you know, my uncle relates the story that uh, Middlesbrough released him and Graeme Souness was a very good friend of him. And he actually, I mean, this is what my uncle said, I can only tell you by, by that. And I, Graeme Souness actually cried when he was released and he actually said to him that you are actually a better player than I am, but it's because of your colour that you're not, gonna, you're not being given a chance. Did, I mean, did you do you see similarities t- for black players in, in that respect? I I never, you know, heard anything like that uh, in my time. And if it did happen, obviously it did. You know, it's a shame that sort of stuff uh, took place. Um, 
but he really should have spoke out earlier, you know, and probably could have done something about it, you know. Um, as I say, today, it's a shame when a person is judged as a player by the color of his skin. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, nobody owns the right of the game. The game belongs to all of us, and whoever the manager was at that time, you know, he probably had something wrong with him as well to have the law that to happen. Hi, Clyde. This is Paul, and I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to park that subject. Um, because when I was growing up, you were the second uh, football player whose name I knew. And, and looking back, I might have thought it was Clive. Um, and the other one, the first one was Bobby Moore, who I think you played with quite a lot. From somebody yeah. that stood shoulder to shoulder, went out with him, had him as a leader, and seeing that he was a, a national hero in England, how, how was he like as a man with you, uh, with the team, and how was he like to play for and with and just to sort of be there with that well, giant? Well, when you play for a person of that magnitude, it gives you confidence because, number one, the first thing you, you're thinking about is that, hey, here is this guy, he just won the World Cup, one of the greatest defenders in, of all time and probably in the game, even up until today, and to have played with him on the same pitch, you know, it was tremendous. And um, Bobby was a very good person, you know, one of the best human beings that the Lord has put on earth, you know, and um, he never looked at color, you know, he accepted you for the ability that you had, and that's all a person can look at art for. Hey Clyde, Joe here, how you doing? How are you, Joe? How are you? I'm good, thank you. Very good. Just, I've got uh, a quick question about a specific game back in the 70s. Mm. I'm just not sure if you remember it. Uh, against Manchester United um, back in 1972. I've got mm. a fan called Ian, Ian Crinson uh, who recalls that you completely bullied the whole team that day and just <laughs> basically outclassed Dennis Law and Brian Kidd. Um, do you remember that game in particular? You, you apparently you got a lot of... Yeah, Upton Park. Yeah, you got a lot of sticks that day from the fans, apparently. I'm just wondering yeah, if that's yeah, sticks I mean, out. I, I always made it a point that when we played United, George would have his turn when they played up at Old Trafford. So when he came to uh, our place, <laughs> I made sure that I paid him back. You know, so <laughs> that was the thing we had between us. You know, you have your show in Manchester. I had my show when you came to London. Are you brothers? Not really, unless somebody <laughs> never, never told me about it. You know. I've got a, a couple of other on-field ones I remember, Clyde. Um, I remember the day you went in goal against Leeds. Do you have any memories of that? Yes, I remember going in goal against Leeds, and uh, we got a 1-1 one, one draw. And I don't think I ever went back in because I knew and learned man, that that was the position for me, you know. And I remember the year after that, <clears throat> you beat my brother's Leeds fan. So West Ham Leeds was always a big deal in our house. <coughs> and uh, right. we, we never had a record against them unless you were playing. And we beat them 3-1. You and Pop Robson uh, and Trevor Brookin, I think, got the goals. And they were, mm. they were on fire. They won the championship by five or six points that year. And it was, yeah. it was, it was fabulous the way you played that day. I want to talk about your partnerships, though, because you partnered Jeff Hurst and you partnered mm. Pop Robson, totally different kind of players... Who was the most effective yeah. playing alongside you, Clyde? Well, I think they both were, um, because as you said, they were different. Um, Jeff was big, strong, you know, can hold the ball up. You can lead him into a path, and 
He was good in the year and uh, good on the ground, you know, at Bull Creek, and he scored lots of goals. I mean, up until today, he's still the only guy that scored a head trick in a World Cup final. Um, Pop was, a, he was an unbelievable player as well. I mean, a typical striker. Um, Pop was a person that can get into the box and score goals. Scoring goals was an easy thing for him. And it was a pleasure to have played with both of them. You know, um, they were a little similar. Pop was a bit smallish, you know, like a good little type. Um, and Jeff was a big, strong, physical uh, old man, you know, and uh, he couldn't, you know, uh, rough him up. Uh, you know, he was too big and strong. And Pop, he roughed him up. He's going to get one anyway, you know. So it was great to play with both of them. Clyde, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Just one thing. Harry Redknapp says in your book that he thinks she left West Ham too early. Do you, do you agree with that? It probably did. You know, um, and the reason for leaving was because I didn't want to play for no other team. That was my team, you know. And um, when the time came, you know, I had to make a decision. I think I probably left too early. You know, I probably did, but... You know, it was time to do new things, I felt, and I had an opportunity to go to the States and help them get their program off and running, and that was a great experience. Um, you look at the players that came off, I got there. You know, you had L.A., you had Beckenball, you had um, Leeskin in New York, Georgia Canelia, um, I, Robbie Renson, Brink, Joanne Cruyff, Lynn Janssen, Vincent Sabir, Van Hannigan. I mean, you can't play with any better players like that, you know what I mean? So it was good, and we were able to get soccer up to where it is today. So we were pioneers in that arena. So All those names good. and Pop Robson, it's incredible. <laughs> yes, yes, and Pop, Pop wasn't there. I mean, you know, he stayed in England. If he would have been there, you know, it would have been another great player to get to the ring, you know? Clyde, it's been a, a real pleasure speaking to you. Thanks ever so much, I think, from all of us. Um, Cheers, Clyde. For all the pleasure you've given us over all these years, and good luck with your book. I'm glad that I was able to do that, and if I had to do it all over again, I would. Thanks right. very much, and you all have a good Christmas. Yeah, and you, Clyde. Cheers, Take Clyde. care. Clyde. Thank you. Okay, mate. Bye-bye. Clyde best. Blimey. Um, before, before we come on to the uh, predictions, which I believe is a bit of a tradition, uh, on this podcast. It'd be remiss, Arif, if we didn't talk a little bit about the stadium. How are things, the stewarding, what's the atmosphere? Is it getting any better? What's going on? Unfortunately, uh, the start... That's of... a bad start. <laughs> 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 we don't do any editing, that length, is a yeah, bad The length start. of time you took before you came up with the word unfortunately as well. And then he, well. follows the yeah. he follows the polls with unfortunately. <laughs> well, you, you know what it's like. Just in your own time, Arif. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what I mean is, if, if the players on the pitch were playing well... It'll actually, it actually exudes confidence to the supporters and the genuine stewards like ourselves who are actually have a lot of affinity with West Ham and we are re- genuine fans. Uh, I, I was really, really upset that they didn't actually bring us uh, from Upton Park as a lock, stock and barrel. Uh, I've hear, hear it every single day from uh, West Ham fans, the proper West Ham. When I say West West Ham fans, I mean the ones who come in every year, not these uh, 
hangers-on who've just come in because it, they're cheap seats available. Uh, the genuine fans, actually, you know, I hear it every day that they, you know, the, fa- the stewards that are in Upton Park, like myself, had an affinity with, A, the, the, the fans and with the club. And on a, from a personal, le- a personal opinion, our, my new colleagues, a lot of them have, you know, there's no, no professionalism. Say what you want, they won't be listening to this, they're not fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true, actually. No, honestly, it, it well, hurts. Listen to the one before, the Arsenal uh, one. Yeah, yeah I on, mean, yeah. it actually hurts me uh, of how, how they actually steward the games. Did they, did they I know there was... There was um, talk that they w- we were now going to be bringing in some of the uh, some of the guys from Upton Park uh, uh, to step in. I mean, how, m- how many have come across, or have they have they remedied at all the fact that they've missed out people that knew the fans and knew the temperament and knew how to treat them to instead be, of pop concert people? To be honest with you, Paul, a lot of them actually left. Ah, okay. Uh, because how how they've been treated, uh, I know a lot of uh, my, my colleagues who used to actually work in the corporate areas or uh, on the uh, what you call it uh, the concourses, they they've actually been misplaced. Mm. You know, you, there's there's no continuity. There's no, you know, I've actually said said it to the hierarchy a few times that you know we should have a same same stewards. On a certain stand at every single game, and I can sh- tell you from from personal experience that I've been there for about ten games, including the f- you know the friendlies and Europa League games. There hasn't been a case of the same team at, in the same stand for for two consecutive games. So rather than letting people know their patch and letting the fans know who patrols the patch and building rapport, you just keep sticking in strangers. Yeah. Makes yeah. no sense. I haven't seen the Makes same. No I haven't sense. seen the same steward in my no. bit. I'm about four row. I'm on two four one round the corner from yeah. you, and I haven't seen the same steward for a, you know two consecutive matches. You already want to move your seat, don't you, Joe? Yeah, you're, we're, we're going to move down. To, we're in the upper tier now. Um, I saw some people at the Chelsea Cup game were moving their seats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't think he meant it that way. Paul. <laughs> but you're thinking of moving. What you just want to go on the lower tier? Yeah, you know, just yeah. to feel a bit more. Uh, well, part of the game is it's very you feel very detached up there. Um, but going back to the steward issue, yeah, the, we've had a different one by us every time. We sit right by an exit, and they take selfies and just video the game and on their phones. Isn't that funny? It's we wouldn't think that was so important as part of a of a match experience or a fan experience or or just from our loyalty. But it is important. It is when you go to a pub that you know you want. Yeah. To see certain people behind the bar because they know what you yeah. like, and, yeah. you know. But but maybe if you were running a big business as a big business and you know looking at the the noughts and the zeros and the where which way the points are going, is you're not seeing that 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 is an important part of the, yeah. of the experience, not the decor, not necessarily yeah. where whether a picture hangs one side of uh, you know an aisle or another side of an aisle. Yeah, cool. I, I didn't speak to the guy that uh, in the Bob Moore upper, um, the same steward there by the exit every time for years. I didn't speak to him once, ever, but I just knew I'd see him. You knew and it was, well, that was yeah, you because was was you, you're kind of standoff kind of a bloke, though. Aren't yeah, you? you're not. You know, I've heard I'm yeah. friendly. <laughs> <laughs> that says more about you than the steward, I think. But that's fair enough, you know. Well, in, it just makes know, me nervous. I, 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 I'll relate a little story. I'll actually relate a little story just at the Burnley game. Uh, as a couple of fans who were in the Bobby, uh, sorry, in Trevor Brook in Upper, the family stand where I used, to, I worked eight for eight years. 
and his seats are in the east stand, right at the opposite end of the stadium. And he actually came around uh, to come and see me because he said, "Look, I, I could see you from over there." I think he was using the binoculars, <laughs> and he actually walked around. Oh, that's you're, your story. You're quite hard to miss. <laughs> right? You're quite hard to miss. <laughs> and you know, he actually walked around to say hello because you know he actually missed the friendly atmosphere that we had as a, as a team up there. It was brilliant. Well, you were a great steward for us, and uh, you know um, we're very well. Uh, pre- 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 yes. well he's, no, in this yeah. now. he's, he's out of form. We just out of form. He's sold he's out. He's he's gonna, gonna, he's gonna, gonna be, I'll give you back. the five LA room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we got. He was the, he was the best steward. <laughs> he was. It's a, he was. Tenor. It's a tenor. Great <laughs> season last season. I've got a fantastic <laughs> season last season. Just dipped off this year. It's like all of us, really. It's not been quite as good as last season. His partnership with Noble was just. So listen, we got we t- we reckon we've turned a corner, and we might turn into another corner. Hull on Saturday, Swansea on Boxing Day, Leicester on New Year's Day. Uh, total of nine points up for grabs. Where do we think we're going? Well, I've got my tickets for all three games. Good, but um, how many points are you going to see West Ham win? I reckon I'd be happy with five. Would you? Realistically, okay. Well, which ones are we going to lose? Then we're going to lose the Leicester game, do you reckon? Uh, well, I think we'll get two draws, Swansea and Leicester away. Oh, and then win the other one, right? Yeah. Go on, Joe. Yeah, I'm going to go for a, for a seven, seven points out of that, and I, I do think Leicester's going to be the points dropped. I'm optimistic. I think we're going to get ten points, but that might be over-optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> a, a bonus point for effort. <laughs> but yeah, 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 for stewarding. Um, Cheers, mate. Yeah, that's okay. I think we're going to do Hull. I think we're going to draw at Swansea, and I think we're going to... Mm, I think we might lose to Leicester. I think they might have also turned a corner. Yeah, mercurial, aren't they? They yeah. were, they've been so I, poor away from home, and they were brilliant against Man City, oh, weren't they? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then they, they go and waste yeah, exactly. that. And then they lose to Bournemouth, yeah. They turned back around the corner. They, that's like they got us. their wallet and went back that's around that's the corner. Like the corners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yes. that's, that's what we do. We lose to Bournemouth and um, beat Man City. It's just, you know, but, it's not... Yeah, don't right. you think it's an age-old problem with West Ham, though? We, we do really well against the big teams. And so-called uh, lesser teams, we always struggle against. Well, this year we haven't done that well against the big teams, mm. have we? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, we have performed better, though, haven't we? Apart yeah. from Arsenal. Before the season, though, you'd, you know, you'd well. take points no, away. We, we don't, no, no we actually don't. We got robbed at Chelsea. Don't forget. Oh, right, okay. We still lost though. Referee. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, Costa thing, whatever <laughs> you want to call him. And if we do get a decent run out of these three games, is that it? Is, is that it now? No more kind of, you know, Slavin is a one-season wonder and Dimitri's not turned up and, you know, are we just going to crack on and... Because Slavin's made it quite clear he reckons top ten, doesn't he? He still reckons yeah. that's, that's possible, do yeah. we? I think we would be lucky with eight, wouldn't we? Was he on the... I think we'd do... Just, I, don't, I, don't, I, think, I think 11 would be optimistic, the way we're playing right now. Um, I don't think we've got Dimitri Payet in February. Just, really, you think you'll yeah, go in? I don't. Yeah. Where do you think you'll go out of interest? Well, that's a good point. Back he's to France, maybe. Yeah, he's too yeah. old to be of interest to many people. But the problem is he might go somewhere to a lot bigger club and then just be a bench warmer. Yeah. yeah. And then be a bring him on for this. And, you know, uh, if you look at the, you know, the Spanish teams that play, you know, plenty more matches or the big teams that play plenty more matches, yeah. bring him in for, for one of those. And he'll do it and he'll take the money. I mean, it wouldn't blame him if you were looking at our team's performance and if he was looking at it and saying this team is shit I'm not going to play in Europe next year I wouldn't mind a couple of games in Europe and to sell some you know Real Madrid shirts I'm not saying it's going to be Real Madrid but yeah I, I, I could see the Italian French or yeah. Spanish or even German clubs 
Paul, giving you... him a better sales pitch than he's going to be getting now. And, that, and that's what we don't know. It's what's going on in his head. And there is something going on in his head because you can just see the running around bit. Yeah. Is he entitled gone. to feel cheesed off, though, because, you know, he was fabulous last year. You know, we should have built a team around him and the standard of players that we've brought in Shit. haven't been up to it. Yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's your... Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, Paul, if he, go, if he does go, can you make sure he takes Zaza with him, please? Yeah, uh, it's it's funny that one, isn't it? I mean, funny, a shit, mate. Yeah, but he has scored at Upton Park. Uh, sorry, he has scored at the Olympic Stadium this year. Yeah, not for yeah, us. Yeah, not for us. Yeah, true. That, added, yes. that probably added ten mil to his price. <laughs> I, actually, actually, up, say that the best performance he's, perf- he's actually had in the Claret and Blue was actually at Crystal Palace. Yeah, it was he was good then. Yeah, so, yeah maybe yeah. he's getting. He actually it, played yeah. really well that day. But his job is to score goals, and it, it's like the goalkeeper's job is to save goals. And you say, if they're not saving any goals, you say he's a shit goalkeeper. But if, it's, if a striker, if a forward's job is to score goals and they're not scoring any... And we haven't even talked about Ayu yet, have we? No, we should... Why don't we finish on a quick, yeah. quick word about Ayu? Just, just quickly, Tompkins just... has scored more for Palace this season than yeah, Zaza has. He's got three goals. Yeah. Right. £10 million pound bargain. Ayu, <laughs> yeah. uh, 20 million quid. Uh, little glimpses we're seeing, aren't we now? Yeah. Or, or what? Are we still thinking? What, what's I the, hope there's the a lot be- of bolt-ons in that 20 million that we haven't actually given them 20 million for him. Right. To be, to be, I hope that's the case. Yeah. But you know what? I think he needs a, a run of a few games. He, he is quality. He just hasn't uh, got much fitness yet. Well, he's, had, he's had long enough, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I don't get that much fitness thing. There's a sportsman. I understand not fitting in with the team and 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 all of that, but I often I, I often wonder if that's an excuse. I is is the uh, is the current formation right for him? Is it is it well, that? that is, is he true. not getting the service? Yeah. You you wonder whether he's whether he's the right player in the wrong team or vice versa. Well, yeah. particularly, yes, particularly with Andy Carroll coming back and who's, who's going to play. You would think, wouldn't he, if, yeah. he's, if, he's, yeah. if he's fit for those two or three games a season when he's fit, you, he is going to play, isn't he? <laughs> what about your... Uh, is Andy Carroll match fit? Andy Carroll's never been match fit, He's mate. never He's never, <laughs> he's never <laughs> three games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait for his hamstring to tweak. <laughs> right, well, OK, I think we'll leave it there then. Ponytail injury. Uh, my thanks to our guest, uh, Paul Myers, uh, Arif Mahmood and Joe Fordham. Uh, happy Christmas. Come on, you irons. You've been listening to Stop Hammer Time. To get all the links on this podcast, our Facebook, Twitter app and iTunes link, go to westhampodcast.com. Come on, Thank you irons. Come on, you irons. If you like this podcast, come and join me, Mark Webster, for the Whistleblowers, a weekly show that looks at the topics that all football fans are discussing this week at thewhistleblowers.net. And it happens to be brought to you by the same lot that produced this one. Sports Social Podcast Network.